But if it be of God, you cannot overthrow it, lest haply you be found even to fight against God. I'd like to minister for a little while this morning on found fighting for God. You may be seated. The Lord bless you. Everybody said hallelujah. Right. Okay. The uh, Bible teaches you in Matthew 16 and verse 16, this is where Jesus, during the days of his earthly ministry, when God, that is, came in the flesh, 1 Timothy 3.16, God came in the flesh. He was manifest, clearly shown in the flesh, because God is a spirit, and thus he is invisible, but he chose to show himself visibly by speaking the word over Mary, and then that which Mary brought forth was that visible manifestation, that known as the Son of God, and in that flesh dwelled the spirit, or the invisible. So the Bible teaches that as Jesus, that is the flesh, went about on earthly ministry and teaching people and ministering to people and training and calling out different ones to follow him, then the scripture teaches that he uh, asked them, he said, whom do men say that I am? And they begin to explain, well, some say you're Jeremiah, some say you're one of the prophets risen up, or you're Elias, different things that they said, and of course, public opinion. And now he asked them, well, then whom do you say that I am? And this is your verse 16 of Matthew 16, where uh, Peter spoke up and said, thou art the Christ. And in so doing, then Jesus said in verse 17, he said, blessed art thou, happy and to be envied, are you for flesh and blood hath not revealed this unto thee or it unto thee? In other words, you didn't get that from man, but this came from the Spirit. You want to note that it was a, a revelation. The entrance of God's Word will bring revelation or bring light. And I told somebody the other day, I said, you know, you can get insight on certain points in the Bible, but maybe not on some other points. And, of course, it's an ever-growing in grace and knowledge, no doubt about that. But uh, we sometimes have said about some people that they're not the sharpest knife in the drawer or their elevator doesn't go quite to the top or maybe they're one or two light bulbs short of a chandelier. <laughs> so I'm saying you want to let God turn on the light. And that's what happened that day when people were throwing out all kinds of ideas and theories about who he was. And then when Jesus said, well, whom do you say that I am? That's when Peter spoke up. Right then the Spirit of the Lord spoke through him, turned on the light bulb and said, thou art the Christ. You're not an also ran. You're not just some ordinary run of the mill, but you are the Christ. You are the Messiah. And you are, in other words, God come in the flesh. And that's why Jesus later on in teaching to a disciple who didn't quite have the light bulb quite on. And he said, you speak of the Father. He said, uh, he said, show us the Father. And Jesus said, have I been so long time with you, and thou hast not known me? He said, when you've seen me, you've seen the Father. 
Okay, so uh, in him dwelled the fullness of the very God bodily, or in him dwelled the Father. He was the express image of the person, singular, the person of God. Never is the word persons used in the scripture with regards to God. Never. And so, but singular, yes, we have one God, and the very express image of him was Jesus the Christ in the days of his flesh. And he went about doing good and healing all that were sick and oppressed of the devil. And he did walk upon the water, which the Bible tells you God alone does that. Well, he does that through the power of his spirit. That's why one guy was standing on the back seat of a car. Imagine where his head must have been hitting and bent over and was screaming at the top of his lungs that Jesus did not walk on the water. Well, it's really sad when people, like I said, don't get the light bulb turned on because he was God, come in the flesh, he walked on the water, and he allowed Peter to walk on the water because he's God. And if he wants to allow it, well, then he can allow it. And everybody said amen. Nothing impossible with our God. The same uh, type of argument people could use about the blind eyes couldn't be open or the deaf ears couldn't be unstopped or so on and so forth. Cancers couldn't be taken care of. People could argue in the same uh, unbelieving vein of thought. But uh, with God, all things are possible. And that's what you want to keep in mind. So if he would bid Peter to come and walk on the water, then so be it. And the same thing when he said, when an individual uh, came and said, uh, Jesus said, what will you have that I do for you? And he said, I will that you make me clean of my leprosy. And he said, I will be thou clean. And, and that's what you want to believe, that nothing is impossible with God. Okay? And we want to believe uh, his word. And so my point being that uh, we get a, a, uh, a revelation here that came through Peter, that through the Spirit through Peter, and letting us know that he is the Christ, that he's the son of the living God. He's not just an also-ran or another one or an ordinary or whatever else public opinion wants to say, but that he was God come in the flesh. And everybody said amen. amen. And so uh, in, in this coming across, he also said in verse 18, he said, and uh, upon this rock. Now some people again are, again, not to belabor the point, but the lights just aren't quite going on too well when they try to tell you that Peter was the rock. Number one, uh, the form there with, with Peter being, uh, uh, shall we say, more like a pebble, <laughs> that uh, you, you get more of a masculine uh, situation there uh, in the usage of the word uh, rock there. And, and when you deal with that, then you're dealing uh, with something totally different in the masculine form, whereas when you deal with it here, as it's used in the 18th verse, then it's a feminine form upon this rock. I will build my church because my church, the church is always typed in the feminine form, like unto a woman, never in the masculine form. Jesus built the church upon the revelation of who he is, that he is the foundation. He is the chief cornerstone of the church, okay, dealing with the church here. And so Peter, uh, no man, no human man is ever going to be the uh, chief cornerstone or the rock of the church, never. You want to stay with chapter and verse, you want to follow subject matter through, 
And you want to remember that if it gets built upon men, well, men can fail. And it wasn't too much longer that Peter was called a devil and told the spirit that was on him and told to get behind Jesus because uh, you become an offense to me because of the way you're thinking. Well, people can very quickly start thinking in an offensive manner towards the things that the Spirit wants. We want to learn to think like God thinks. We want to learn to love the things that God loves, and we want to learn to submit ourselves to that. Everybody said amen. So this brings us, of course, this introduction to the church, and as Jesus went about in the earthly ministry, and then when the days of his flesh had come to the point to where they were, he was going to lay down his life. No man took his life from him. He gave his life on the cross. And after so doing, then he uh, was buried and then rose again on the third day because the spirit that withdrew from that flesh on the cross and three days later re-entered that flesh and glorified it. And he rose again from the dead and, of course, showed himself alive with many infallible proofs. And upon so doing, then, he leads them to uh, the upper room, he gives them directions to go to the upper room in the city of Jerusalem, and as they gather together there, then your Bible teaches very plainly that the Spirit of the Lord came into that place, and the Bible teaches they were all filled with the Holy Ghost. They all began to speak with other tongues or languages as the Spirit gave them the utterance, and this is where then the Spirit of the Lord once again begins to inspire Peter as he stands forth among the 12 apostles and the about 120 that were just freshly baptized with the Holy Ghost. And Peter begins to give them the word of the Lord. He begins to bring them through fulfilled prophecy. And he brings them to the point to where they begin to ask the whole entire multitude screaming out in one voice and asking, we've heard what you're saying, now what shall we do? And, of course, that's when he told them to accept Christ as their personal Savior. No, he didn't say that, did he? Amazing. And you know what? He never said that in the Scriptures one time. Never. And so you might want to remember when you start hearing phrases that people try to pass off as Scriptures, you might want to take a moment and think about that and go back and look that up and check that out because, after all, it's your soul that is at stake. For all of eternity, we're talking about eternity here, talking about eternal things. And so you want to think also about your family. You might want to start thinking about eternal consequences. And remember, it's not going to be one great big thing, but it's the little foxes that spoil the vine. That the enemy's going to come in a little here and a little there and a word here and a phrase there, and pretty soon then it's building up to uh, one great big avalanche. Hate to tell you, but uh, uh, those great big avalanches and snowballs, they start with just, you know, one or two little flakes of snow, and then they begin to build up, and they build up. And you know the amazing thing about an avalanche is that, it, again, it's not that uh, great big snowball coming down the mountain at you so much as it is the fact that the, the, the ground underneath, uh, the snow underneath is melting and it's losing its ability to hold together, and it just falls, and it falls apart, and everything goes like a, almost like a sinkhole. And so uh, as it does, it just cascades down the mountain, and you find yourself buried and inundated. And that's what happens with all of those little things that the enemy keeps 
springing all the time because after a while he just rips the floor out from under you and there's nothing for you to stand on. That's why you want to get on that rock. You want to get on that solid foundation. That's why you're told people who hear and don't do, then they're like silly, foolish people who have built upon uh, the sand. And they didn't, they didn't build upon the rock. They didn't dig deep. They didn't get into the Scripture. They just accepted anything that anybody said. And you don't want to just accept anything that anybody says, including telling you to accept Jesus as your personal Savior because it's never been given as an instruction, especially pertaining to salvation. But what has been given is that Peter said, inspired by the Holy Ghost, to repent and to be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. So he tells you to repent, tells you to get baptized in Jesus' name, and he tells you to receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. That's what he told us to do, okay? So you go ahead and put your finger on chapter and verse and do what he said to do. Obey what he said to do. And this is what we must be found fighting for. This is what we must, as uh, Jude's writing said, earnestly contend for the faith. And I'll try to come back to that. But as Peter preached to them the plan of salvation, gave them the instructions on the very first day of the church that Jesus gave birth to. If ever there was a time to tell people, especially with the people from 17 plus nations of the known world at that time represented there saying, what shall we do? Well, you couldn't have had a greater opening. You know, it's just like you when you're trying to witness to somebody and you're out about your daily day and, and, and somebody asks you that opening question, gives you that opening, and there you have it and you're just more than happy to tell them what they need to do or what it is that you have. And, and, and you don't want to hesitate, and, you, and we never need to hesitate, and we certainly don't have to uh, mince words or find ourselves stumbling and bumbling, not sure what to say. This is the message. This is correct. This is the foundation. This is what Jesus, in introducing his church, says this is the rock, the revelation of who I am and what this is all about and what the church is. And you want to build it. You want to dig deep and build your, your foundation on the rock means you want to hear what I'm saying and do it. Amen. And everybody said, praise the Lord. So the Bible teaches now that when Peter got done preaching the plan of salvation, then it said that they that gladly received his word that day, that they received it with gladness. There wasn't an argument. There wasn't fighting. There wasn't debating. Uh, there wasn't rationalizations. And I'm telling you again, you can rationalize anything. If you've already arrived at the place that you want to do something, that between here and the place where you've already gotten to, you'll figure out all kinds of little steps to justify it and to rationalize it. But, you know, you don't want to do that with the Word of God. You want, you want the Word of God, and it will stand on its own. You just want to submit to it and obey it. You don't want to try to somehow twist and rest it to make it fit your personal ideas about things. You want to submit. You want to fall upon the rock and be broken. You don't want to find yourself in a day and an hour when the rock will fall upon you and grind you to powder. Because God's Word is not going to make exceptions or any variances for anybody. He is no 
respecter of persons. What his word is for one, it is for all. And everybody said, praise the Lord. So then they that gladly received his word, the Bible said the same day, there were added unto them about 3,000 souls. This is the church, the body of Christ. The church is not the building. Thank God for a building with a little heat. But that's not the church. That's the church house. The church is people, people that come out of darkness, people that come out of sin, people that come out of commentary, people that come out of tradition, and, and, and friends that said something, or family that has said people that come out of those things, and they come into the body of Christ. And you keep on coming in further and further to the center of the church, if you please. You get centered. You get balanced. You're not extreme left or extreme right, and you certainly don't want to be on the edge of things. And we always tell about the, the little boy, they asked him, why did he keep falling out of the bed? And he said, because I get too close to the place where I get in at. And you don't want to live on the edge of this thing. And in the Old Testament, the shadow and type, the more that they got into the cloud that Jesus Christ provided for them coming out of Egypt, then the more that the light was bright. And you want that brightness of His glory. You want to be where the illumination and the candle power, the Holy Ghost power is greater to where you see things in a better light, if you please, and that you're not confused and you're, you're, you're not fudging about things or unclear about things or easily uh, turned from things. You want, it to be, you want to have it settled and clear in your mind just what the teachings of the church are. Everybody said, praise the Lord. I'm talking to you about being found fighting for God. You don't want to fight against God. You don't want to be resistant to Him. You don't want to uh, put yourself in, in harm's way, if you please. You don't want to be uh, uh, contrary, is a good Bible word. You don't want to be contrary to the things of the Spirit. You want to be in the flow. You want to be in sync and in step and in harmony with what God's doing. You, uh, what did it say? And even to the point to where you could be a, a person who would quench the Spirit of God. Not at all. We, want to, we don't want to be resisting God. We want to be working with God, flowing with God. If anything, we want to, we want to be a conduit and, and we want to be a conductor. We want to help this thing go along. You know, certain metals are used because they're, they're conductors. They, they help electricity to flow. And uh, other things are used to resist the flow of electricity. Well, replace electricity with the Spirit of the Lord. And you want to be that which helps that to flow along here. You don't want to quench it. You don't want to uh, resist it to the point that you do quench it. You want it to be flowing. You want it to be moving. Because God's Spirit can do things in your life that nothing else can do. Not anywhere. No invention of any kind. Everybody said, praise the Lord. And so, also in Acts chapter 2 and verse 47, it said, and the Lord added to the church. So, we've got a church. We've got a body of Christ. And we want to earnestly contend here. We want to be found fighting for God, meaning that God's in control. And we're behind God. And we're, we're with the way that He does things. And we're not going to try to be some kind of wall or some kind of resistance, or be against God. But we we want to be, here I am, Lord, and I'm going right along with whatever you say. And I've told it many times. I preached one time as a young man, and, and I got a little exuberant, I got a little happy, and I got a little, a little out there. And, and I know my pastor got me after church, and he said, now 
He said, Brother Feld, he said, I don't know what you believe about. I said, hold it. I said, whatever you believe, that's what I believe. I just chopped that argument off real quick. <laughs> Didn't need to go any further. And he was kind enough to explain a little more uh, clearly for me uh, a certain scripture, and that was it. That's what I believe. That's it. So we don't want to resist God, and we don't want to argue with God. We don't want to be found fighting against God at any moment, at any time. We don't want that. I'm with you, Lord. I, what was it said of Noah? He found grace because he walked with the Lord. We want to be right. I don't want to get ahead of God, and I don't want to drag behind. I want to be compatible. I want to walk with the Lord. And everybody said, praise the Lord. And everybody said, amen. All right, so giving to you how this church that Jesus gave birth to and how that this church that he gave birth to, uh, it had to, I'm going to show you how it had to uh, fight for God in Acts chapter 4. Uh, I'm going to read to you beginning with verse 1. And uh, the Bible said, And as they spake unto the people, this is the church, this is the apostles, this is those that are coming into the body of Christ, and as they spake unto the people, the priests, the Jewish priests, in other words, and the captain of the temple, and the Sadducees came upon them, being grieved that they taught the people and preached through Jesus the resurrection from the dead. And they laid hands on them and put them in hold, unto, and that means a holding cell, until the next day, for it was now evening or eventide. And it said... What I want you to understand is they had to fight for God. They had to fight for the truth. There was opposition. There was those that were against what is correct and right. There are those that withstood. That's a Bible word. Uh, Janus and, and Jambres, uh, those names were bring, brought to us in the New Testament and, and put names to those that withstood Moses to the face. They withstood him. And there are people that withstand the truth. Maybe they don't withstand Acts 2.38, but it doesn't mean that they don't withstand authority. It doesn't mean that they don't uh, get in subjection. There are people that absolutely do not want authority in their lives, and they want to live this any old way they want, and they want to call the shots, so to speak. But I tell you that your Bible said you don't say, I'm going to go do thus and so and thus and so. You learn to say, the Lord willing we're going to do thus and so and thus and so. You learn to submit yourself and you get in that harmony with God and everybody said amen. Well, these folks were fighting against God. These folks were resisting. They were taking the church and they were putting them in jail. They were trying to keep them from preaching the name of Jesus Christ. Acts 4, 1 and 3. Now verse 8 reads to you gives to you. Then Peter, filled with the Holy Ghost, said unto them, Ye rulers of the people and elders of Israel, if we this day be examined of the good deed. Oh, the church does good things. And if it ever starts not looking good to you, you might want to check your attitude. Check yourself, okay? And he said, If we this day be examined of the good deed done to the impotent man, by what means he is made whole? be it known unto you all and to all the people of, Ju of Judah or of Israel that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth whom ye crucified whom 
God or the Spirit raised from the dead, even by Him doth this man stand here before you whole. In other words, a miracle of healing had taken place and it was a notable miracle. This man was above 40 years of age and everybody knew him and they absolutely were filled with madness and resistance because they didn't like what was going on in the name of Jesus Christ. You're going to have to fight for God. It's not going to be just let the enemy just going to lay down and let you have your way in the Holy Ghost. Every service you've got to fight through the enemy to worship and to praise and to magnify him and to tear your mind away from a thousand different details. I can get so many things in my mind from one room to the next. I can forget why in the world I even went there because a thousand other things has crowded itself into my mind. Well, how much more when you come to a church service and you've got an enemy and he doesn't want you to lift your heart with your hands. He doesn't want you to praise God. He doesn't want you to get in the flow of the Holy Ghost. He doesn't want your mind on God for nothing. Amen. So you've got to fight for God. Now let's make something crystal clear uh, early on here, and that is that 1 Corinthians chapter 10 teaches you, uh, that's 2 Corinthians chapter 10, teaches you that the weapons of our warfare, that they are not when we say fight for God, we are not talking about physical fighting with your fists or with guns or knives or any other uh, such type of a physical natural weapon. Never, never, never. Not at all. But we are, the Bible is talking about the weapons of our warfare are mighty through God. It's a spiritual warfare. It's spiritual weapons here. Okay? And you want to make that uh, crystal clear in your mind and, uh, and your life should be lived in such a way that people know that you're not going to use hatred and you're not going to be quarrelsome and you're not going to take up a club and hit anybody over the head and I heard about one guy that was claiming to have this truth but he, he certainly uh, was revealed to be quite a uh, false, uh, false prophet and that was that he uh, was claiming this truth and when people in the congregation uh, in the country where he was operating uh, when they didn't do what he wanted them to do in the church, he would cane them. He would take a rod and he would beat them on their legs and claiming truth. Now you see, that that's, I read that's what they did to people who did preach truth. People on the outside that were against and fought against God. That's what they did. Paul said he was thrice beat with rods. Okay, and, and, and how many times uh, uh, with the whip, uh, 40 stripes, save one. All of these things are in your Bible that was done to men and women that were found to be fighting for God, standing and earnestly contending for the faith. But to claim this truth and to act that way and to be uh, have a carnal weapon is not the teachings of Jesus Christ. That is not the way we are to be. God fights our battles. And everybody said amen. Amen. You don't want to go taking this into your own hands. Okay? You don't want to be doing something like that because then God will back off and he'll just let you do it your way and, and you won't be happy with the results. I promise you that. All right. So right here now, also in the same chapter, verse 17, they said, but that it spread... No further among the people, let us straightly threaten them that they speak henceforth to no man in this name. Verse 18, And they called them, that is the apostles, and commanded them not to speak at all 
nor teach in the name of Jesus. Now, what you really want to get out of that is, is in our day and age and through the centuries, what it really in, uh, translates to is that you're not to baptize in the name of Jesus Christ, okay? Because they had their meeting, and they rose up from among us, and they left us, the early original church, and they went to Jerusalem, I mean from Jerusalem, they went to uh, Rome, and where was the ruling power of the world, and got with the emperor, and became his own private religion, and worked with him, and he called the shots, and they made up the rules, and that's when they decided we got to do something about these people that we keep finding fighting for this message. They keep fighting for the name of Jesus Christ. And everywhere they go, they're baptizing people in Jesus' name. And people are receiving the Holy Ghost. we got to do something about this. Well, there's no difference their attitude and spirit that was found in Rome that you're reading right here among the early Jewish people that were against, the Jewish religions that were against. They had their denominations. They had Pharisees. They had Sadducees. They had Herodians. They had scribes. Well, now it's different names that I care not to call, but that came out of Rome, and when Rome left the truth and, and got their denominational thing going, then after a while, because they left the original church and because they split from the teachings of Jesus Christ, then that spirit kept on working. And that's why those people left the, the people in Rome, and they became something else. And then the others left and they became something else. And that's why today even that same spirit is constantly splitting people and splitting them and new denominations and crazier teachings coming up. You want to be found fighting for the truth, fighting for God. You're not going to change anything. We're going to preach what he told us to preach, teach what he told us to teach, live how he told us to live. Amen. definitely want to realize you guys want to slide on down. you definitely want to realize I hate to tell you guys but it's the same thing every Sunday you know, I just, what can I say everybody said praise the Lord so you you must keep in mind that uh, what the apostle said here he said but Peter and John answered and said unto them whether it be right in the sight of God to hearken unto you or to listen to you, more than unto God, he said, judge ye. You judge that in yourself. He said, for we cannot but speak the things which we have seen and heard. So when they had further threatened them, that wasn't enough for them, they still threatened them. When they had further, you know, some people are just diehards. They just won't stop. You know, they just won't quit. And you're going to find that there are people that when they start fighting again, now they never admit that they're fighting against God. Oh no, they're they're extremely uh, you know pious and sanctimonious, you know, and all of that. Oh, thank you, God, and all that kind of stuff, you know. But and they put on certain look and they use certain words, but their spirit is in complete opposite to what they're showing you on the outside. And the life that they're living, their attitude has changed. And, uh, you know, one thing is trying to come out real sweet, and the other thing is coming out real bitter. And the book certainly tells you that's not, that's not going to work. We're not going to have that coming out at the same fountainhead here. Okay? So the point being that you, uh, we've got to be aware, and you've got to be big enough to realize when it's people even that are close to you, people that you have uh, an affection for, you're going to have to find yourself and remember what Jesus said 
that he said, don't think that I came to bring peace. He said, oh, no. He said, I came to bring a sword. And he said, in the same household, he said, you'll have three against two and two against me. He said, so you better wake up to how, how this it can get to the point to where you might be called upon to give up father, mother, sister, brother, aunt, uncle, and double first cousin. You know, these things can happen. And, and different people have different things that, that come up before their face that they have to make a decision about. And you're going to have to stand with the truth because you don't want to be found fighting against God. You want to be found fighting for God. And remember, it's very easy because Peter, Peter's telling them, Lord, he said, ain't no way that they're going to take you and they're going to beat you. I'm not going to let that happen. I got my sword right here. And he pulled, pulled out a physical sword of a weapon there. And he said, I'm, I'm not going to let anybody do that to you. And Jesus looked at him and said, Get behind me, devil. He went, I'm a devil? Yeah, well, that's spirit on you. That's what I'm recognizing. That's what I'm discerning. You're trying to hinder me from doing the will of God. You're trying to keep me from fighting for the spirit here, from, from going to fulfill why I'm even here. He said, if I don't do this, well, there ain't going to be no day of Pentecost. Not going to be outpouring of the Holy Ghost if I don't go to that cross and give my life on that cross. If I don't be the Lamb of God, then there's not going to be any bloodshed. There's not going to be any remission of sin. You're just going to throw a monkey wrench in the whole thing, Peter. So you get behind me. You're not making any points here with the way you're acting and your attitude. You're not going up the scale with me at all. You're going down the scale, Peter. And everybody said amen? So... We've got to see things from God's point of view, don't we? We've got to learn how God thinks and how God discerns and evaluates things and what he would have to say about it, how he would judge this situation. And here in Acts 4 uh, and uh, through 21, I read to you, okay? And I want you to listen again. So when they had further threatened them, they let them go, finding nothing how they might punish them because of the people. All men glorified God for that which was done. God will bring the victory, okay? God will shut the mouths of the lions. God will take care of his end of the business. You don't need to worry about that. But you do need to be willing to go through the fire, go through the heat, go through, uh, show, glorify him in the fire, the scripture says. Glorify him in the fire. Isaiah said that. You, there's going to be times when the heat gets turned up. There's going to be times when people who are close to you are going to take a bad attitude again, or people that at one time been in your vicinity and close to you and are going to take a bad attitude. And it's going to be because of what you are fighting for, what you are standing for, if you please. Because there are going to be people that are going to back up from that. There's going to be people that are going to, in their mind, their, in their heart, they're going to let down. And people who let down are getting, better be getting ready to be let down. They're going to have a big letdown. But if you earnestly contend, if you'll keep on with the right spirit, with the right attitude, because you love God, because you love His Word, because you gladly have received the Word of God, you're happy about this, happy is the people whose God is the Lord, you're in a great case here, your case is a great case. I have God. I have truth. I don't have to drink liquor anymore because I don't like that anymore. I'm delivered from that. I don't need dope anymore. I don't need the ball games anymore. I don't want those things anymore. I'm not holier than thou. I'm happier than thou. Amen. 
5, verse 17, Then the high priest rose up, and all they that were with him, which is the sect or the group of the Sadducees, the religion of the Sadducees, and, and as Paul called it one time, the Jews' religion. This is at their time and their setting. It's been a long way since then, though they're still among us. Okay, and many, many much more confusions out there. But he said here in verse 17, he said, and, um, and were filled with indignation. This group of people were filled with indignation. All right? You want to remember that in there, it's a constant uh, being found to fight for God. Because there's, as Jesus said, when he said the gates of hell shall not prevail against the church, he's telling you that there will be those gates of hell, there will be that opposition. There are spirits that are going to work through individuals and families even and groups and large groups, even to the point that the scripture told you that the church will be hated of all men and all nations for his namesake for his namesake, for what you're standing for, for what you're fighting for here. This is something you're not going to compromise. This is something you're not going to back up on. No matter, and I watch people, and I've seen people, they get uh, very flippant, and they get very sarcastic, and they want to uh, talk down to you, and in a very down-the-nose, condescending manner, that you're just a nothing, and they're so much smarter, and they're so much wiser, and they're going to bring all these different intimidating tactics against you or the church, if you please, and you've got to still be found fighting for God, meaning you're going to put one foot in front of another. You're going to put one prayer in front of another, and you're going to have one scripture in front of another in subject matter, and you're going to keep on keeping on because you want to be found fighting for God. Now these people had much religion and they would never admit that they were fighting against God. And I'm in this fifth chapter which brings me full circle to where I started, though not going to finish. But in verse 39, once again, what took place? I just read to you that they were threatening them again and uh, and in so doing, and, and giving the church grief and giving individuals and, and talking harshly to them and down to them and saying all kinds of things, then your Bible said what took place was that there was a man that stood up. And this man was in reputation among these people, these different religious groups. And he stood up and he began to tell them. And he began to say, you know, we've seen people cause splits. We've seen people rise up and they had so much to say. And, and bad mouth leadership and, and uh, just went off, you know, and always talking about how they've grown in God and they've done this and they've done that, they've done the other. And, oh, they're just so great since they left, you know. Well, then you find out, though, that after a while, that kind of dies down a little bit, you know. It kind of dies down a little bit. And then it always amazes me, too, because they always come around again. And they always Well, if you hadn't left, you wouldn't have to wonder what we was doing, would you? Yeah, okay. So don't leave the truth. Don't leave the message. Don't get out of the spirit and get in the flesh and just determine that it's something you want to do, then maybe you should just leave God out of it big enough to say it's something you want to do. But these people were always, and people always want to drag God into it and get him to be their excuse and their rationale as to why they're doing the things they're doing. And these people would never admit 
that they were fighting against God. But the truth of the matter is, here's one that stood up among them and began to point out. Say, well, you know what? These guys went up and they followed and they did this. And, and you know, they came to nothing. It came to nothing. And he said, then we had another group. And he called another name uh, in history there. And, and he said, this guy took so many people. And they went off and they did so much, you know. And he, and he said, but you know what? After a while, they perished also. Nothing to it. It all just phased out, printed away, and it's gone. He said, and you know what? He said, these folks right here, he said, you might want to be careful what you do uh, about these folks. He said, and let me make it clear, because if it's of God, he said, then you're not going to be able to explain it. You're not going to be able to stop it. You, they're not going to get twisted, and they're not going to get warped, and they're not going to uh, crash and burn. You know, he said, if it is God. In other words, it'll prove itself out. And you know what? When you keep on keeping on for God, and you stay with chapter and verse, and you uh, keep uh, going through the obstacles, shall we say, and, and all the things that the enemy throws in your pathway, and you, by God's grace, you just keep on keeping on and believing and trusting and worshiping and obeying him and staying with chapter and verse, and you refuse to turn to the right and turn to the left, and God forbid, back up, but you persevere, and because of your importunity you keep on continually knocking at God's door knowing that with God all things are possible knowing that his word is right and it is forever settled in heaven and knowing in who you have believed and that what God did for you that's, that's done and it's not going to change and that he saved you to the uttermost amen and that people will turn to the right and people will turn to the left and a thousand will fall at your right and ten thousand at your left but it doesn't have to come near to you the scripture teaches and what you've got to remember is it doesn't matter how close that person may be you know somebody that's not you may not I don't even know their name in front of you and they left so well it don't bother me but you know what if it's somebody close to you then it makes a difference because then you've got a vested interest then it's something that you feel like it's touching you, but they're doing the same thing, and they've got the same wrong attitude, then you've still got to stand. And that's what Jesus is telling you. It could be right in your own house. You've still got to stand. Everybody said amen. Everybody said praise the Lord. All right. So he said, listen, he said, if it's of God, he said, you cannot overthrow it. Gates of hell shall not prevail against it. He said, and less happily, part B, he said, less happily, he said, you be found even to fight against God. And we don't want to be found to fight against God. We want to be found to fight for God. We want God to recognize that we are on his side. We want to be uh, not just a worthy in the beginning, you know, but we want to be recounted as still being a worthy in the end. Everybody said amen. Everybody said praise the Lord. Everybody said hallelujah. The First uh, Corinthians 9 and 26, the writer used the term, so fight I. There is a lawful way to fight this for God. Okay? And there's also a lawful way to do what 1 Timothy 6 and 12 said. He said, fight the good fight of faith. 
fight the good fight of faith. And then Paul turned around again in 2 Timothy, and he said in verse uh, chapter 4 and verse 7, he said, I have fought a good fight. I have fought a good fight. I have fought a good fight. Okay? So in one regard, you are told to do it, and then you'll come a time like Paul where you'll be able to get ready to leave this planet and you can say, I have fought a good fight. But you can have faith in the life that you've lived for God and by His grace that He has given to you, that you've been able to uh, make it over the hurdles and through the obstacles and continue running this race and finishing it. And everybody said amen. And Hebrews uh, 10 and 32, <clears throat> he spoke about a great fight of affliction. That there are things that you're going that are going to come to afflict you. There are things that are going to come to make things difficult. Once again, the enemy, when you get baptized in Jesus' name and filled with the Holy Ghost, uh, the enemy is not going to lay down or run away. As the French say, au contraire. What's going to take place is he's going to actually, he's going to dial you in on his, on his uh, scope. And he's going to put you right in the crosshair. Because now he, he realizes, I don't have you anymore. So I need to get you back. And, and you, you're not fighting against him like you did when I had you, now you're fighting for him. And I, I can't have that. So now you're a target. So the enemy's really going to go to work. And you're going to have your time of a great fight of affliction. And he's going, you're going to have to fight against the enemy. You're going to have to fight through prayer and through church service and worship and Bible and every other good weapon of our warfare. You're going to have to fight your way through the affliction. The things that come to afflict you things that come to hamper and hinder you from living for God that would come to dissuade you and to discourage you and to make you down and despondent. You're going to have to fight your way through those things. You're going to have to understand that prayer can make me be an optimist. Prayer can lift me up. Services and worship and praise can do for me what nothing in this world could do for me. Everybody said hallelujah. Amen and amen. will say in conclusion that Hebrews 11 and 34 <clears throat> in going through the faith hall of fame and when he said in time would fail to tell you of all the different ones that did so many great things one of the things he did say though he said that they waxed valiant in fight they weren't cowards they weren't you know chickens and they, they didn't shrink back now once again you must spiritualize, okay? You must put it into, into a, a spiritual warfare framework here. It is not talking about you taking a physical sword. Peter did that and lopped off a guy's ear. His name was Malchus. And, uh, and, and Jesus bent right down and picked the ear up, put it right back where it belonged, and looked at Peter and said, hey, you live by that sword. You're going to die by that sword. So you don't want to be doing that. That's not what I'm talking about, Peter. Let's learn the lesson here. I'm, I'm going to heal this guy. I'm going to make this right. You messed it up, I'm going to fix it, okay? Isn't that nice when God fixes our messes? Oh, boy, it's so nice. Amen. But remember, sometimes he wants you to participate in the fixing up, you know. So sometimes you need to repent. Sometimes you need to apologize. 
Sometimes you need to change your attitude and get it in alignment with the Holy Ghost. And on and on and on, and it's getting mighty quiet. Okay, so you know what I'm saying. You can't just live any old way you want to live and display any old attitude you want to display and then still claim in Jesus. When Peter took out that sword and whoop, Jesus said, uh-uh. harm, no foul. Well, it was a foul until Jesus took away the harm. <laughs> when that night Jesus reached down and took that, I put it back like it never happened. Uh, but it did happen. And there was a lesson to be learned. And we've got to learn our lessons because we are not always, unfortunately, going to say it right and think it right and do it right. Because we do have our little weaknesses here and there, and the enemy does take advantage of those things. And so we have to grow in grace. And that's part of fighting the good fight of faith here. All right, that's part of fighting for God or for God's way of doing things. And everybody said amen. amen. So we are going to wax valiant and fight. We're not going to be filled with doubt and fear and unbelief. We're going to do what the writer said, be thou very courageous. We're going to get courage from God to stand up to mother, father, sister, brother, aunt, uncle, anybody, anywhere, at any time. We're going to square our shoulders and stand up with a pleasant spirit and a pleasant attitude, and we're going to let them know that we're not going to live that way. We're not going to back up. We're not going to let down, and we're not going to uh, throw things out the window. You know, we'll throw the bathwater out, but we're not throwing the baby out with the bathwater. We're not throwing the truth out, the message out with that thing here. You've got to make a difference here. And there are some things that, yes, we don't want because they're too extreme left or too extreme right, and let that be the dirty bathwater that we get rid of. But we, and that's because the bathwater got dirty because something got washed, and that's the point. We get washed. Somebody said, you're brainwashed. That's right. My brains need a good washing. It washed in the blood of the Lamb, and I want to keep getting it washed because there's a lot of filth out there. And every day we're here. All right. Oh, you can remain standing. Let's remember, you're in the world, but that doesn't mean you have to be of the world. Everybody said praise the Lord. Everybody said hallelujah. All right. Let's take a moment, lift our hearts with our hands. We're going to worship the Lord. Let's do this together, shall we? Thank you, Lord. I praise you. I need your good glory and your great grace. Help us, O Christ of Calvary, to do your will. Help us, Lord, to be strong. Power of your might. Let us be found fighting for Jesus' name, baptism. Fighting for one God. Come on now. Yeah. It's a struggle for survival.
too steep. Come out of this rough, but I'm not too weak. I won't turn back, no. I won't turn back. You know the road is hard, but it's not too long. The enemy's here, but it's not too strong. I won't turn back, no. Everyone, this time we want the ushers to get ready. Everyone say, God bless the offering in Jesus. 